Hey everybody, welcome back to the Lucky Dog Podcast. This is your host, Elias Roush. This podcast is sponsored by EliasRoushMedia.com. Today we are discussing Star Wars, Episode 9, The Rise of Skywalker. The Rise of Skywalker is a 2019 American epic space opera film produced, co-written, and directed by J.J. Abrams. It is the third installment of the Star Wars sequel trilogy following The Force Awakens 2015 in The Last Jedi, 2017, the polarizing Last Jedi, 2017, and the final episode of the nine-part Skywalker saga. It's produced by Lucasfilm and the Abrams Production Company, Bad Robot Productions, and was distributed by Walt Disney. Of course, this has an ensemble cast, and I'll cover the majority of people that are in it as we go. But, I mean, the, if you're listening to this, if you're watching this, majority of people already know who's featured in this movie. Uh, and I'm going to hold back a couple of names for the spoiler section as well. So this movie will be covered in non-spoiler section and a spoiler section. So, of course, uh, I'm not 200% re- rehearsed in the uh, Star Wars um mythology like I'm a little bit blind in some of the television shows not the Mandalorian I've I've watched some of that um but like the Clone Wars it's been a long time since I've seen the prequels I have not read any of the graphic novels so there I'm you know I'm just a loose Star Wars fan so I'm coming at it from that point of view I just want to kind of give you an update that I'm you know I'm not uh you know I'm not uh I don't have my masters in Star Wars. I'm just coming at it from a regular fan, a regular viewer, someone that has seen essentially all the movies at least one time. Um, I did go back and rewatch The Force Awakens. I haven't had a chance to rewatch The Last Jedi, but I think I actually will um, just to kind of have a full completion. But for right now, we are going to talk about Episode Nine: The Rise of Skywalker. Um, this is directed by J.J. Abrams. Produced by Kathleen Kennedy, J.J. Abrams, Michelle uh, Rasheen. Um, screenplay, screenplay is by J.J. Abrams and Chris Terrio. Um, uh, if you know Chris Terrio, he is from uh, best known for writing on Argo. And he unfortunately was on Batman v Superman. <laughs> uh, and on the writing team for Justice League as well. So we can't just credit him with just the Argo. We have to tell him the good and the bad. Um, this story is also by Derek Connolly um, and Colin Trevero, who typically have worked together a lot on, I think it was Safety Not Guaranteed for Derek Connolly and Colin Trevero. They've both worked on um, Jurassic World um, 1 and 2. And uh, this is also uh, characters by George Lucas, of course. Um, but it appears that this is not part of his original vision from what I can tell. Um, if George Lucas had a vision, a lot of people will say the prequels were kind of jumbled in a way they didn't feel like they were cohesive. Um, but honestly, eh, eh, you know, in, in comparison to the prequels, you know, the, some people might say they, um, uh, might have some value in some of them after wa- rewatching the, the most recent, uh, Force Awakens, Last Jedi and Rise of Skywalker series saga, um, so yeah, this was um, announced almost immediately after The Last Jedi was. 
Um, most people would agree that The Last Jedi was extremely polarizing. And so, as in, it kind of diverted from the original franchise methodology in a way that said um, um, anybody can be a Jedi or anybody can, you know, possess the Force in a way versus um, having like a, a lineage or a mythology, a history behind the characters that are needing to possess these powers. And so uh, The Last Jedi would do, it, it sort of retconned a little bit of what The Force Awakens did in the way that it was structured. But in doing that, Ryan Johnson was trying to take us, you know, it's almost like, this almost feels like going along a, a car trip or something like that, and it's like mom and dad, like Ryan Johnson and J.J. Uh, Abrams are mom and dad, and they were the ones responsible for directing the series relatively. I mean, among Walt Disney having uh, studios having their hand meddled into the uh, into the stuff, so J.J. Uh, Abrams definitely had a vision for the three, the 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 Finn and Ray arc storyline over the course of the three movies. And so when Ryan Johnson came in there, he kind of added this uh, differentiating uh, speciality of, uh, you know, making it so anybody could be, you know, quote unquote special. Anyone could, could possess this power. But that's not exactly what was mixing well with what J.J. Abrams was trying to do. So essentially it felt like oil and water trying to mix together. In my opinion, I, for what it's worth, I'll, I'll give a quick sum, summation of The Force Awakens in one or two sentences. Um, I really admire the the reboot they had with The Force Awakens, but I really think they leaned too hard into the nostalgia of it. And if they would have leaned a little bit more into the characters, it would have served the overall arc of these last three movies a lot better for the characters, in my opinion. Um the Last Jedi, um, don't, you know, don't, hold the tomatoes, everybody, I know everyone's super polarized about it, does he love it, does he hate it, oh, we're gonna get him either way, you know, it's, you know, hold the pitchforks, okay, so, I saw The Last Jedi twice with, uh, that, you remember Movie Pass back in the day, that shitty company, don't ever do it, um, well, I got to see The Last Jedi twice that time, and I remember seeing it, and even looking, Thinking back on it, I do really admire some of the cinematography that uh, that movie provided. It had some of the most uh, iconic image, imagery um, that I can remember in the last three movies. When I'm thinking of the last three movies, I think The Last Jedi has some of the best visuals. Um, um, just from a you know, lighting and color standpoint, not necessarily a story or anything like that. But, you know, the the red planet or, you know, I think it was red salt planet or something like that. Like, I, I like uh, I really liked how I think like this, this uh, the speeders were going over it or something over the salt planet. And then um, in The Last Jedi, there's this massive explosion where the sound cuts out. And I don't feel like we've ever seen that in any Star Wars canon. And uh, it is just I just remember seeing that explosion on the big screen thinking this is something I've never seen any time ever and I feel like I'm witnessing something. It's just like beautiful and I never really thought about 
that while I was watching this specific movie. I thought that this movie kind of played it what a lot of people would say is safe. So um, that those are my opinions of the last two movies. Let me pull up my notes real quick for the um, Rise of Skywalker. I thought I had them up already. Sorry. So overall, I would say the Rise of Skywalker. It's it's a fun movie, but in a saga that has lasted since uh, when was when did the original uh, Star Wars come out? I'm gonna I'm gonna have to pull that up real quick. Um, so Star Wars, this thing, okay, 1977. So, so given that, it's been 42 years coming to this. We, and of course we're going to compare a lot of things to Marvel, given that Marvel has had some amazing, uh, success with the amount of movies they've been able to produce, but really looking back on it. It's, you know, their ability to create, what was it, 20, over 20 movies and it culminate in such a shorter amount of time. I think it was from 2007 or something, Iron Man came out and then Avengers Endgame came out this year. So, you know, in, in half the time, in less than half the time. Marvel was able to complete, I'd say, a better arc than Star Wars was. Now, this is not a podcast about, you know, comparing the two, but I'm just saying in comparison, I think that they played their cards, uh, they played their cards better with the Marvel package. And in a way that looking back on the Marvel movies, they almost feel like individual episodes to an overarching television show. And then, uh, Infinity War and Endgame were the culmination of that large amount of, you know, let's just say 20 hours of movie television. No, I'm, I'm, they're not actually movie television, but they were on the big screen. But I'm just saying that the movies, you know, the individual Thor movies, the individual Ant-Man movies, the individual Spider-Man movies, they feel like they could almost be boiled down to one or two episodes of a television show with it ending all in Infinity War and in Endgame. Now, for Star Wars, that would be uh, that would be the three movies that were created in the seventies and I think late what was it early early eighties. I don't remember what the uh, uh, let me see um, what was it Star Wars the last movie came out I think in the eighties. But anyways. Um, what was it? Star Wars. Du, 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 du. Episode six, seven, eight. Oh, Star Wars eight. Return of the Jedi. Yeah. So it happened uh, between seventy-seven and eighty-three. They had the original Star Wars movies, um, and then it took them so long to create the prequels that they you know they dillied around um until what was it the 2000 sorry 2000 the phantom menace which was in 1999 so they wasted almost 17 16 years in between that to bring back the the series where they could have been evolving some of these characters so my whole saying for this and this comparison to the mcu is 
that having this massive space opera requires many hours of world building and uh, I mean with the scale that this is on it is incredible that the first three movies were able to do that much now the problem is with the rise of Skywalker it's this it's the third it's the second third set of movies the first being uh, the prequel series so that would be the first set of three and second set of three would be the force awakens series and everything jj abrams and everyone um it's the second set to do another take on the original three movies and they're still referring back to the to the movies that were released in 1977 and the ones that were released in the late 70s and early 80s. So the fact that they're still referring to that is kind of problematic in a way that this movie is kind of trying to play it safe on all corners. It's trying to have its cake and eat it too. It's trying to have fun but also tie up the lo- the loose ends in the last three movies. The last three movies have been kind of uh, like I said, going on an adventure and you're going in two different directions or you're, you're, you know, dad, you know, JJ Abrams wants to go to, wants to take the fast road and Ryan Johnson wants to take the scenic road. And so we got to meet in the middle somewhere. And so what's happening from the rating system, it looks like pull, uh, the, uh, the, the Rotten Tomatoes is around 57 at the moment. And I saw it was around a six, eight on IMDb, which is extremely low in comparison to, you know, the rest of them, I mean, what was, uh, the last, the polarizing last Jedi was, um, a seven one on IMDb and I think like a 91 or something on, uh, uh, Rotten Tomatoes. So it's surprising to see that this is getting bashed that hard. I will say some of the faults that this movie is, uh, presenting, uh, at the, uh, at, at the front of it is, the uh, rushed and underdeveloped uh, characters. And that goes along with just not planning this out far enough in advance. It's like when I rewatched The Force Awakens, I immediately determined that uh, these characters, Finn and Ray, have a lot of charisma behind, you know, these actors have a lot of charisma, but. You know, their backstory is not all that interesting, to be honest. And they kind of just linger on it here and there, but they're so focused in The Force Awakens with uh, hitting you upside the head with, you know, what they have to do is introduce these new characters in the first, I don't know, 30 minutes. And then the second 30 minutes is, uh, you know, introduce the characters and then introduce the problem and how you're going to defeat the problem. And then the second hour is dealing with the problem. and it kind of feels somewhat of a, I don't know, running running on the treadmill a little bit. Because I feel like we don't, we spend so much time with these characters, but we don't learn all that much about them. And, you know, what they, uh, I don't know, what they like. I feel like in some scenarios in this series, we're learning more about the side characters and more about their motivations than we are about our main characters. And mostly because our main characters are having to be uh, drugged through the mud with, uh, you know, 
having to deal with the history of Star Wars. Now, you know, the Skywalker saga and, you know, the 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 Palpatine and the Darth Vaders and the uh, uh, Kylo Ren's of them all. You know, they're, they're always having to deal with this kind of ominous, bad figure. And it's a... Uh, it's kind of a tried out plot line. It's like, all right, all right, we get it. Let's let's do it. Let's defeat the Death Star again. I mean, literally, I just watched The Force Awakens and they talk about it's not the Death Star. It's the Death Star times 10. And it's literally uh, the same. It's the same bullshit. It, it, it's the same bullshit. Um, another problem with some of these characters is um, I, I, I don't want to be the guy that's bashing this movie because I honestly did enjoy the movie and I was uh semi-satisfied with the ending and I was trying to you know not go in with uh rose-colored glasses I wanted to you know try to go in unfiltered and not know as many reviews as possible so I'm just now listening to reviews and what people are thinking about it a lot of people are saying that the writing's not great and I'd say yeah the writing's um you know subpar it's it's adequate for what it is it's saying you know it's you know very generic is what I would say, um, unfortunately. And we we don't need generic. We need a higher level for this franchise. And you need to have someone that's willing to, uh, I don't know, lead it. They need to Kevin Feige. A lot of people will agree that Kevin Feige, even though Marvel sometimes gets bashed for sometimes playing it safe, uh, at least they had a cohesive story at the end. And I felt like if... If this, if this Rise of Skywalker was an MCU movie, then I would say uh, that it was middle of the ground. It wasn't even. It wouldn't even be like one of the better ones. So, um, yeah, that's that's one of the things. I do want to find some you know positive comments and stuff. So I, I definitely will before the reviews over about the about the movie because um, I don't have a co-host on this podcast at this moment so i might add something at the very end so check the timestamp. i'll see if anyone has seen it um maybe they can you know bounce some ideas off uh off me and whatnot um so yeah l- let me give you a list real quick of uh some of the uh like i said the special effects the music there's a couple of iconic shots i thought the uh trailer was not bad i thought it was um well marketed in a way but overall the movie is just safe it's just appeasing everyone and appeasing everyone by saying we don't want to you know step outside the lines too much so here's the list of cons like i said earlier rushed underdeveloped characters specifically on kylo ren finn uh palpatine I can go into deal, uh, more detail after. Um, writing. Writing was occasionally clumsy. You know, some of the characters came off as annoying. Others, um, the writing kind of goes hand in hand with saying that the characters were too safe in a way. Like the characters were, I never felt like they were in, you know, I always felt like they were in more danger in almost every other movie. Um, let me see. Uh, definitely stuck in nostalgia. This this movie is among the last three. The last three overall. The problem is that they're stuck in nostalgia. If they would have gone and made their own story and made their own characters, 
they wouldn't have to deal they wouldn't have half the half of the screen time dealing with the skywalkers which sh- it felt like it should have been completed by the end of the force awakens honestly they should have just completely dealt with <clears throat> dealt with the skywalkers and not have them drug out for to they they should have trusted the audience that we wanted uh to move on in the universe and not just stay with the skywalkers um which honestly i wouldn't have guessed at this point that we would have been tired of it but given the prequel series given this series i don't want to see any more skywalker stuff after this um let me see uh, the character of John Boyega is seriously underwritten when it comes to the arc, in my opinion. Uh, he's a great character, and he needs he needs more than what he was given for this movie. Palpatine. In the marketing, Palpatine is set up, so I don't believe that's a spoiler at all. But <clears throat> if you're going to bring that character in, you should have in, involved him at the beginning of the uh, the force awakens it should have been at the force awakens you cannot just shove this character um in here randomly it does not work that way it it, it, it it's too much happening on a two hour 15 minute um you know what what is it two hours and did i say two hours 15 minutes i don't think it's two hours 15 minutes it's gotta be longer than that two hours 21 minutes yeah it and Honestly, that feels pretty short in comparison to some of these movies these days. I mean, you know, such as Endgame and The Irishman. I mean, those are two three-hour movies right there. Um, honestly, Star Wars, you know, this movie probably could have added another 20 minutes just for character development because, honestly, pacing was not something that was really bothering me during this movie. I, I, uh, I did feel like... I, I did feel like there was a halfway point where I realized that this was not going to end in the way I wanted. And, uh, I can talk about that in spoiler section. Um, let me see. Okay. So, um, let's, uh, jump into the spoiler section for the rise of Skywalker. Um, the rise of Skywalker overall, the way it ends, Well, hmm. I was not crazy about the Kylo Ren Ray stuff. They have great on-screen chemistry, but they never they never had a moment where I really felt like she was convincingly with him, or she was ever convincingly going to be on the dark side. It, she always felt like a glowing beam of light. And Kylo Ren, one of the biggest crimes that they committed on that character was having him under that stupid mask, in my opinion. Um, The Mandalorian is kind of showing how difficult it is to emote and relate to characters that are stuck under masks. And it really shows, it, 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 you know, emboldens to me how important and how iconic and how, you know, how crazy it was that Darth Vader even worked. Because, I mean, I guess his mask had a little bit more character to it and you could tell a, a little bit more about how he was presented. But I don't know, just... Um, it was also the way it was shot, you know? the In the performance that uh, the... 
I, I forgot his name that um, was in uh, who was the body of Darth Vader but there was so much of the presence of Darth Vader that really lends itself to the performance not just the voice not just the breathing not just the uh, the music but it was a combination of all those things that you know the costuming and and the direction you know so they really fucked they, they fucked up on the Kylo Ren uh, arc when they left him under the mask there was no way that guy well the first one of the cool things about Adam Driver being Kylo Ren is his voice not only is he an interesting looking guy has you know great you know flowing hair but he's also tall and he has a very interesting voice after I just watched Marriage Story and he's a fantastic actor when I watched The Force Awakens in 2015 I was not a fan of Adam Driver as a matter of fact I was not a fan of Adam Driver from uh you know, from 2015 or 2017 in The Last Jedi. It, and it wasn't because of his performance. I just thought it was very one note. And it was because, this was before I was really studying movies, he's under a mask for all but two scenes in The Force Awakens, and all you do is hear his voice under uh, under that. And honestly, his voice is more intimidating without the voice modulator that they are using in the first one anyway. Um, and so... I might need to go back and rewatch The Last Jedi, but I remember he was trying to connect way more with Rey through, like, I don't know, Force Connection or something like that. And they kind of lean more into that Force Connection within this movie, you know, being in the same place at the same time, kind of sharing thoughts, being able to um, uh, kind of roam each other's brain. It was it was an interesting power set and an interesting way to, uh, you know, show that happening. So, um Overall, I think they kind of fucked up with that character at the very beginning. Same thing with Palpatine. Um, they, they, they kind of told us about Kylo Ren. I, I think it was in the Last Jedi that Luke Skywalker is the one explaining, you know, what Kylo Ren did and how he was, um, you know, Luke had was going to try to take him out, but it was all told to us and it was very expository in a fast motion and there's been a lot of uh, uh, tell and not show but also tell and show at the same time which becomes uh, you know having your cake and eating it too kind of thing it's like instead of showing us a young Kylo and a young uh, let's just say it at the Force Awakens, we actually see that the transformation of Kylo Ren versus just seeing him at the very end of his transformation. It seems it would be, I guess, a lot more like uh, the prequels in a way, but even having a fast montage of this guy growing up just to show what the course of his life was because we've watched three movies and I feel like I still don't 100% understand why Kylo went bad except for maybe Luke was saw dark and evil in him and he saw him you know striking people down so that was why but i really felt like there was so much we didn't see with them growing up as characters that really could have been fleshed out and uh given if if you're just a regular fan and you're not going back and re-watching everything if you're not going back and you know remembering all of this stuff it's been you know 27 you know 2017 was two years ago um so uh, 
almost three years ago at this point. So it, uh, it's been a while. And so that's why I would say there's kind of, I don't know, somewhat of an expectation that you would have gone back and watched all of this. The thing is, it's not all cohesive. So what does it matter anyway? So Finn, another character, um, yeah, Finn, at, I, I'm glad I went back and rewatched The Force Awakens because I can kind of see their origins. And I remember what happens in The, the Last Jedi and he pairs, uh, they pair Finn up with Rose at that point. But at, at The Force Awakens, at the beginning of Finn's kind of origin story, it I don't think it ever gave a determined, uh, like, set storyline about how he became who he is. Like, I... As just a casual viewer, and I've, you know, just only watched Force Awakens maybe twice now. Are Star Stormtroopers um, clones? Are they grown? Are they babies? Are they like what's going on in Watchmen on HBO? It's like what's going on um, with the Stormtroopers, and why haven't we seen anything like determined uh that really shows us the upbringing of them. Because I, I feel like if we would have seen a young John, John Boyega, you know, grow uh, as a stormtrooper into who he is, we would care way much more about this guy. I mean, we already do care about the, the two main characters, but mostly just because we see him that he's sympathetic to the, the resistance cause. It's not like he's really... Uh, at the end of this, at the end of this, it's like, is he anyone special? I mean, he just seems like he's, uh, you know, against the first order after the first or second battle he goes on in the in the, uh, the Force Awakens. He walks on the battle and then he sees one of his buddies get blown to bit to bits or whatever, get some blood put on his helmet, and then all of a sudden he's like, I can't do this anymore. It's like, is that the realization? It's like. I don't feel like he ever has a full arc within this three series. And what happens to him at the end of the, uh, during this is he's paired with Poe the entire time. The the one of the problems with this series is there's almost too many characters, and they're trying to introduce more at the same time. So we have John Boyega and Poe Dameron essentially playing the same characters, which they don't really need to be. Although I do like their uh, banter back and forth a little bit. I mean they they kind of bounce off each other and I felt like the buddy pairing we had in this movie should have happened in the first movie and we you know in The Force Awakens we we have the same kind of buddy pairing for like maybe five minutes and then we lose Poe for for however long and then it's this nice kind of balance between Finn and Rey for a while but before they figure out the First Order um I, I do feel like maybe the Force Awakens is more balanced in that nature now that I think about it. I felt like maybe slightly more satisfying in a way, with the exception of that second Death Star. Um, but yeah, so Poe and Finn unfortunately seem to be playing the same character, and it's very difficult to kind of have an arc for both of them, you know, and, and it be satisfying. Um, Finn, the entire series, it feels like he's trying to find a love interest and they just don't know what to do with him. They, they even kind of force Rose on him on, uh, uh, The Last Jedi. And that was the worst, most, I I'm just baffled by that kiss that they had to do in The Last Jedi. It was, 
I, I'm assuming that he's playing that, you know, I was not ready, but he he plays that kiss like I like the actor was completely not ready and like and not into it. Like, come on, just give, you know, give Rose a little bit back. She's giving ninety nine percent and he's giving less than one percent. It is so hard to watch that kissing scene, especially because uh, or the kiss uh, during The Last Jedi Especially because she has this really uh, hand, you know, uh, hammy dialogue, you know, saving the people that we love or something like that. Um, which it was a nice piece of dialogue, but it was kind of like you're in the middle of a fucking battleground. Like there's no time for this shit right now. It was uh, interesting. So, um, let me see. We're in the spoiler section, so we can pretty much talk about anything. It was great to see Harrison Ford in this again. Um, it felt like it was a regrounding of the series a little bit when we saw him. And it appears that it was a memory of Kylo's, but still, I thought it was... Um, it, it was Well, he does talk about her being gone, uh, as in Leia. And uh, so, yeah, that was obviously a difficult topic to handle. And... Let me talk about that whole Leia situation. Um, as most people know, Carrie Fisher passed away, what I think was it 2018 at this point? Let me see if I can find that correct. Um, Carrie Fisher passed away in 2016, sorry. And at the age of 60, wow, that's that's too young. That's also too young, um, you know, for this day and age. Um but yeah, she lived an absolutely full life. She she was amazing in the original trilogy, and I'm glad that they were able to you know work her in the plot as much as they were able to of the rise of Skywalker, and just a handful of scenes I could tell that they probably were just uh, that they had a couple limited options that they could use for her character. But ultimately, I, I thought it sort of made sense. I'm not exactly sure how else they would have done it. It's it's such a trippy, tricky topic to, to cover. So I think what had happened was Kylo Ren and uh, Day, uh, sorry, Kylo Ren and Ray were um were fighting, and I think Ray gets the upper hand on Kylo and stabs him in the stomach it looks like in the lung or something like that and when he goes down she feels Leia um pass away I guess the the soul or the spirit pass and I think we see as the we see the audience uh, as the audience we see her hand you know fall down to the ground so Leia's hand and Leia's covered in a white sheet which I thought was probably the best way to cover um to cover to uh to to respectfully um you talk about that topic and my only thing is why did ray bring back kylo at that point i thought that was kind of a weird transition for that character ray is on a this uh on a search for discovery of identity throughout this movie and it's people are constantly asking you know who are you 
who are you with? What is your basically what's your last name? You know, um, where are you from? And throughout the movie, we find out that Ray is Palpatine's granddaughter, and that's just uh, that's a big oh hell no. Um, but the thing was, a lot of people had been talking about who her lineage is and or was and the thing is there was only a handful of people that were that age that it could have been and it probably wasn't going to be Lando <laughs> um you know um we we got Palpatine back in the marketing which I think should not have happened they shouldn't have brought I I said the marketing was good earlier. I kind of lied. I think the the Palpatine drop reveal was too much, and maybe seeing I think we see Ray with a, a, a red saber as well. I was just like that's that's just strictly for memes and stuff like that. We don't need that. Um, but yeah, overall, how how did I feel about Palpatine being grand the grand pop and him ordering Ray's parents to be destroyed? Yeah, it was fucked up. Like, I thought that this character of Palpatine should have been explored way more. Maybe even have, like, a a, a five-minute flashback of how he became um, so corrupt with power. Because I think he was in the prequels, if I remember correctly. You know, Anakin. You know, he's always with the the hands and the lightning and all that shit. He's uh, always uh, cackling in a way. That's what what I was thinking. Uh, But he... um, I always felt like that guy, even in the prequels, he just felt like a one a one note guy. He's just like uninteresting as a overall character, and to have him be the the man behind the curtain, uh, uh, you know, pulling the strings, it's like okay, that's kind of uh, that was kind of expected, and it wasn't that big of a reveal. I mean, if it was a big reveal for you, you know, congratulations. I I wish that I had that kind of. I wish I had that feeling, but I was like, oh, okay, you know, it's not like, I was like, oh, shit, you know, it's not like that, and he can, he says that, you know, taking me down is going to, you know, put the possession of the Sith within you, Ray, and that's how the, the, you know, is transferred, it's like, what are you talking about, man, who, who makes these rules, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just curious, like, where, who makes the Jedi rules, the Force, and all of this bullshit, because he's just, like, making up these fucking Monopoly-ass rules, like, as they're going down, it's like, it's like, the, the rules and the laws of the Jedi seem to be slightly inconsistent, just with, uh, I don't know, when it comes to just, I don't know, exploring what they are able to do. Sometimes they can jump 20 feet in the air, stop ships, hold them, hold them with the force. Um, what is it? What else? Uh, lightning. Lightning. That's always um, good if you want to, you know, have lightning come from your fingertips and stuff like that. It's like levitate stuff. And it's it feels and then convince people to, uh, you know, do uh, do your bidding, you know, mind control kind of thing. I mean, it's almost an unlimited amount of stuff that these people can do, and it feels like it's always so select when all of this is happening. Sometimes it, um, I don't know why everyone, why wouldn't they just have like five or six people that could do the force? I know, I know that not everyone can do it, so I know it's just like a, uh, this is very hypothetical. But I would just tell like an army of these stormtroopers to do my bidding, or. Maybe even show Palpatine convincing them to do it. I mean, 
with all this mind control bullshit going on, shouldn't that be more of a factor in, in into this world? I feel like that's just kind of casually, like, let go. It's like, I guess since it's so, like, um, uh, temporary, I guess it doesn't last long. But, I mean, he can just make up the rules and just say that, you know, oh, we've got mind control on everybody, so that's, that's what's going to happen. Uh, that would be a crazy thing. What if he had, like... That shit go down. I don't know. It's always stu- stormtroopers versus a Jedi, and uh, it, it it's it's whatever. <laughs> I'm just kind of blabbing on at this point. But anyways, um, this was the first time I thought C-3PO was actually kind of annoying. Um, he has like one or two lines that excuse me that I laughed at. Um, but overall, I was like. This character of C-3PO is just here to give exposition and drop little side comments that are supposed to be funny that are just kind of just like, hey. Um, Donald Gleason, Dom, Dom Null Gleason, as General Hux, has been all over the board of being a good guy, being a bad guy, being a good guy, being a bad guy. Well, not a good guy. I kept saying good guy. He being a funny guy, being a bad guy, being a funny guy, being a bad guy. And now he finally comes out as the good guy. And he's like, "I'm the spy." And the way that this happens just seems so ham-fisted. I was like, "This is some adventure family time bullshit." Like it was immediately at that at that mark that I was like, this is where the movie's going to nosedive. Cause I realized I really liked the first half of this movie. And then once he comes out as a spy, I was like, this is starting to become sloppy writing because obviously he's a fucking, you know, this is ridiculous. And I, I wasn't gonna say obviously he was a spy, but he, I mean, he gets killed almost immediately. But the way that that came out, no one would ever do that. That just seems ridiculous. Why would you ever come out like that? Especially talk that loud in front of like people and, you're on a fucking, like, spaceship star, Death Star, Death Destroyer or something star, I don't know, um, that probably has some fucking cameras somewhere, you know? I'm assuming that they have some security around here somewhere. So, um, oh, I didn't know Carrie Russell was, a uh, Zori Bliss. Um, but, uh, at one point we actually think that we lost, um, Chewbacca, and I was like, dude, this is fucking ballsy, man. Like, I was, like, not ready for all of that. So, when uh, that when she's holding that uh, ship down, I was like, oh, shit, this is about to be legit. She's about to land the whole thing or about to blow up Kylo Ren or something. But then the fucking ship blows up. And then we see uh, she, everyone's like, Joey! And I was like, oh, shit. But then, like, not two minutes later, he's back, and it's like, all right, they couldn't do Chewie like that. Um, I didn't know how they were going to bring him back if they were. I, I was like, they're going to have to do some time funky, time shiftiness with this. I don't know. Um, Billy D. Williams is Lando Calrissian. He was great in this. I, it was great, really, uh, to see that character reprised. Um, Dominic Monaghan from uh, Lost came through as Baymont, and he had absolutely nothing to do. Billy Lord as Lieutenant Connix, I barely recognized her because she was actually acting, you know, uh, you know, so straight and sane. I feel like every time I see her, she's always so, you know, uh, eccentric and always doing some craziness. Um, anything else we got to cover over here? Um, the return of Luke Skywalker was a lot of fun. I, 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 I'm very curious about what people 
are thinking when it comes to you know these reprisals that are happening. It almost felt like the Last Jedi was like you know destroy the Skywalker series and let's go on with a uh, kind of a different take, go on with a different uh, story. Um, and this is um, this is trying to bring them all back for one last yeah. You know, I was gonna say Yahoo, but uh, what is it? Called? Hoorah! <laughs> uh, so, uh, yeah, we're gonna bring them all back for one last uh, Yahoo. You know, <laughs> um, but yeah, so this very much feels like it's trying to close the cap on the last few uh, moments they possibly could and squeeze the last little bit of juice they have. Of the Skywalker series. Because it is just done. And uh, yeah. I You know. Among other things. The action. I'd say uh, is probably the most memorable for me personally. Um, I liked the fact that we saw. Well actually we saw a de-aged uh, Luke and Leia. And they kind of looked de-aged and whatnot, But I still enjoyed the cameo nonetheless. Um, if you call that a cameo, which is still scary because, um, you know, technically it feels like in like 10 years they could just, it feels like they could just do Star Wars all over again and use the original cast just using de-aging technology or just some sort of computer tech, um, you know, CG tech that de-aged everybody. Wouldn't that just be crazy? We just have Star Wars all over again. What if we had the original Han Solo we had the original Luke and Leia, and we could actually see them go, uh, you know, off and, you know, actually practicing with the lightsaber. What if we actually saw extended scenes of this? I mean, we saw, you know, some of the missions that Han Solo went. It was actually Harrison Ford. I mean, we're at the point where, we're at the turning point where it's going to be hard to tell how, you know, yeah, or you know, who's on screen and who's not, because, I mean, between the Irishman, Gemini Man, and, uh, the Rise of Skywalker, um, when it comes to the de-aging, and I guess, like, something like Captain Marvel did something like that for, uh, uh, oh, you know, Marvel itself has had some de-aging throughout the, uh, movies as well, and I thought all of that generally looked pretty good as well. Um, most of it just comes down to, you know, body movement and function and, you know, can an 80 year old man act like a 40 year old man again? And so, um, that's when it comes, uh, to be a little bit more tricky, but yeah. So honestly, what would, what, what, what are, what are people saying? Um, one star movie by committee. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Okay. So this guy seems like he's, uh. He's got he's he just got wrote a book. This was Casper Gordon, one one star movie by committee. I cannot read that. It is just it's literally a fucking book. Uh and I do want to, you know, be wary of the people that are, you know, super against I guess uh, just having, you know, diverse or diversity in the movies or um having strong female-centric characters in the movies. Obviously, that's does not have anything to do with the opinions of this review and what, you know, the reviews I, I want to look at because if that's what their gripes are, then they can, you know, go fuck themselves because this is... That's not the issues this movie has. I think, as a matter of fact, the uh, 
the Force Awakens, you know, kind of started that in a way. You know, it was Ray saying, you know, don't touch my hand. You know, I don't need help, that kind of thing. And um, her being, you know, strong and able to, you know, take care of herself. As a matter of fact, she starts to take care of John Boyega in that movie. And she starts to take care of Finn. And so it was kind of a role reversal in a way. So I did really like um, how they kind of completed that. I wish they would have had a little bit more character for her to uh, chew on because I feel like Ray, that that Daisy Ridley as a character, is just so... Um, she seems so excited. When I was watching The Force Awakens, she was she seems like just a, a happy puppy, you know, ready for the next mission. And I was like, if I was living in this Star Wars world, seeing fucking planets just explode, uh, you know, daily or every couple years, I'd be living in constant fear, probably have my own Millennium Falcon. I would not trust anybody. It's like, it's a terrifying universe. And she has a, just a smile on her face and she just looks like uh, a joy to be around. Um, a lot of pe- tons of people are saying, uh, okay, so here's a 7 out of 10. This seems more like a respectable review from James Cullen. Disregard all 110 review, 1 out of 10 reviews. Giving a movie 1 out of 10 means that there is absolutely nothing slightly positive about it, which is a complete lie. No, it wasn't perfect, but if you sit back and watch rather than spend two hours nitpicking for flaws, you will feel the movie's nowhere as bad as people want it to think it is. It still baffles me to see how Star Wars fans are so determined to let the world know how much they hate it. If someone reviews movies with only 1 out of 10 or 10 out of 10, then that says all you need to know about them. Um, and about half the people agree, a little over half the people agree with that. And I, I, I sort of agree because saying one out of 10 means the movie absolutely pissed you off. I mean, it had no redeeming value and that's absolutely not true. You know, this movie was very much, uh, the picking up the pieces of the last two movies and, you know, for better or for worse, having to deal with the repercussions of having actors that were very prominent in early roles and unable to perform in other roles, um, I, I think it, you know, give or, give or take the critical consensus, I really think this is going to make the money back. Um, let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Uh, five. Okay, so five out of ten. Like a two-hour-long trailer for some epic saga. I'm a lifelong Star Wars fan, and this was not... And this was the first time I came out disappointed. I'm not picky and was mostly happy even with the last two movies. But this one is the worst Star Wars movie yet. Oh, wow. It's hollow, unnecessary, unnecessarily hectic, without soul, and the good old Star Wars magic. And it's not that I'm quote-unquote old-fashioned. I love The Mandalorian as a new production, so it's not about Generation Gap. It's about the rhythm of the movie. It's like you're dropped in a two-hour-long trailer for some epic saga. You get tired. Characters are like pawns on a table. There's no time for build-up of any feelings, mood, and everything happens just like on a factory assembly line. So he kind of feels like it's uh, is what it's... It sounds like he says it's a studio-made film, which means it's... Uh, trying to appease all of these different uh, 
movie gods, you know, you know, the, the Mickey, it's got to appease the, the dollar sign, it's got to appease the director, it's got to appease um, the production, uh, the producers, it, there's a lot of people that have to say, yes, this all works for us, um, let me see, <laughs> oh, wow, um, let's see, I'm, I'm trying to find something that's not just like, Completely bashing it, saying it's stupid for absolutely no reason. Okay. Um, hold on. Okay, okay, okay. This is, this is very interesting, just seeing all of these people talk about. It seems like a lot of the reviews and what people are kind of pointing the quote-unquote blame at is either J.J. Abrams or Kathleen Kennedy when it comes to the IMDb reviews, obviously. And and these are not reflective of all reviews. I'm just trying to see what's happening on here. Um, let me see. 9 out of 10, Don't Believe the Negativity by Luke J. It seems like a lot of people are holding out uh, on to the old era of Star Wars Whist, everyone knows and loves the originals. It would be pointless to make a film that was identical to them. This film isn't perfect, and you can definitely see the presence of Disney, but the budget only helps with the scale of the film, and it feels like Star Wars. It's entertaining for both a general viewer and Star Wars fans alike. A definite movement on uh, TFA and... Uh, oh, sorry, the, the Force Awakens and The Last Jedi... Brilliant cinematography and the lightsaber fights, bittersweet endings for many characters, and the introductions of new ones, they recalled old characters as well. A great way to end the trilogy and a great addition to the Star Wars universe. Um, so, I, I, I relatively agree. I feel like you could look at that review. This guy said 9 out of 10, but I believe you could say that would be a six out of ten as well you know it really just depends on i guess expectations versus how much you want to be invested in into this um franchise like going into this after the last jedi i was not 100 percent invested you know i was probably i was 60 percent excited and 30 percent invested and 10 percent <laughs> whatever you know <laughs> uh but that's about uh, you know that's about how i felt about the overall last three movies. So overall, it's uh, pretty polarizing at this point. Um, let me see if I can find anything on uh, Twitter. Um, Star Wars. Rise of Skywalker. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Oh. People are getting their merchandise. People are going to see it. It is currently Thursday, by the way. And what else do we got? Hmm. A lot of people are... Let's see. Hmm. Woohoo! Star Wars Rise of Skywalker. Hashtag Rise of Skywalker was great. Don't believe grumpy reviewers. Um, let me see. Let me see anything else. Let me just go to the top. <clears throat> Oh, let's see. Let's see. Oh, 
by the way, we got to see one of the new actors from uh, The End of the Fucking World was in this as well. She was great, I thought. Um, what, what was her name again? Um, is it Naomi... Naomi... Aki? Yeah, I think Naomi Aki was in uh, The End of the Fucking World and uh, <clears throat> Rise of Skywalker. Would have liked a little bit more of her. She's a great actress. Um, yeah, I can't really find too many reviews on uh, Twitter. Okay, Rise of Sky hashtag Rise of, Sky Rise of Skywalker is so unintentionally funny, especially the part on. Oh wait, that's not even. <laughs> I'm an idiot. I don't know. All right, um, I'm just gonna go watch uh, Mandalorian. Um, at this point, it seems that the people are still trying to go see the the movie, so. Let me know what you thought of the review. Let me th- let me know what uh, you thought of uh, the podcast, how I can improve. I know this is a little bit longer of a podcast. You hear me ramble on. I don't know, I don't know what you're doing. But uh, thank you for listening, and thank you for supporting the Lucky Dog Podcast. PayPal.me slash Lucky Dog Podcast for all donations. Check out Twitch, the Instagram, the Facebook, the YouTubes, the, all the social media stuff. We're on all of them. Check your favorite podcast player. You know, you'll find us there. Um, if we add another bit of the Rise of Skywalker review, check the time stamps, and I'll be sure to label who's talking with me and what time they talk at. So, uh, yeah, thank you for listening to the Look It Up podcast. We cannot do this without you. If you have any comments, questions, concerns, you know what to do. Look at Dog Podcast. The Force be with you. Right, and that would be the that would be all the rapping I'll do, and uh, and if you donate, I won't rap anymore. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm just gonna stick to reviews, no raps. Um, thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. You know, podcasts, reviews, podcasts, all the stuff. We couldn't do it without you. Thank you, and may the force be with you. Again. Ben. <laughs>